Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 158. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Mulrat. The Australian Gen Z pop star is getting prepped to release her debut record later this week, entitled Butterfly Blue. In today's episode, we're speaking with Mulrat about working with Azalea Banks, songwriting for her debut record, and how the OC influenced her start in music. Here we go. Our guest today is an extremely talented pop singer, songwriter and musician originally from Brisbane, Australia. Over the last number of years, she's built a name for herself with singles like Charlie and Groceries and has toured the world with artists like Maggie Rogers and King Princess. This Friday, she releases her debut record entitled Butterfly Blue. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Grace Shaw, a.k.a. Mulrat. Good morning. Good morning. How are we this morning? Really good, thanks. I'm in a way. I was going to say where I am, but then I'm like, it doesn't make sense with when this will come out. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, wh- Should we start again? And I just won't be silly. Should I say <laughs> where I am? I'm in Sydney. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Lovely. That's, yeah. that's very good. Uh, you will, um, to address what you're referring to, you will be away the, the time that the album does come out. I think you're in Europe at that point. Yeah. I think I'll be in Germany, maybe, or Poland. That's very exciting. It's, um, I believe you're going on tour with Conan Gray for a month or so. Yeah, exactly. I'm really excited about that. Of course. It's, um, I imagine it's an incredible, it's, well, touring Europe, I imagine, is fun anyway, but um, on such a scope where you're touring with uh, a person who, uh, I know everyone just kind of watched his set at Coachella. He kind of seemed to kill it. So I imagine it's a great time to go touring with someone like him. Yeah. And he's a really beautiful, kind person. And I'm really excited as well because he's playing such big, beautiful venues all around Europe. So we'll pretty much get the best experience you can have as a support artist. <laughs> Are these uh, some of the bigger, biggest venues that you've played while in Europe? Mm, yes, definitely. Yeah, we've done, we toured with Maggie Rogers um, and there were some big venues, really beautiful ones that we played. But I think this might even be a level up for some of the cities. That's awesome. That's very exciting. Um, The reason why you are going on tour, though, we're not here to talk, this isn't a Conan Gray podcast. This (laughs) reason why we're here today is to talk about yourself and uh, the debut album that's coming out, Butterfly Blue, uh, this week. Congratulations. Thank you. 
yeah, I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long time coming. Cause I know that, um, Mallrat has been within the public consciousness for, you know, a number of five or six years now, I think if I've done my math correctly. Um, and we've had a few EPs, uh, we had, um, what was it? We had driving music. I have the in the sky vinyl here somewhere and I'm not sure where I put it, um, but, <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it is the first full length LP. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. What kind of made you, I guess, what, when did the point happen that you went, let's make a full album. Let's make more than an EP. Um, it's not very like romantic, but the reason <laughs> is that my contract structure was three EPs and an album. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the honest reason why. That is, look, I always appreciate a little peek behind the curtain and, you know, letting people know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that it has worked out like that for whatever reason, whatever contractual obligation has led us here. Um, it is, it is a beautiful album. It's, it's a gorgeous album, Grace. You should be very proud. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. Yeah, I, I am really, really proud of it. And like, I've just been looking forward to being able to share it for such a long time. And now it feels like a little kid the week before Christmas <laughs> who's just found out what Santa Claus is and is like going to try and stay up all night to see Santa Claus come down the chimney. Like, I'm so <laughs> excited. I can, well, yeah, I can imagine that it would be an exciting time for yourself. Although you've, as we said, you've been within the public sphere for the last six years, this is a, a big brand new step. And I feel that um, you have done it quite well. The the album sonically, I feel like covers a lot of ground in terms of it's still very much a Mallrat album. It's still kind of, um, it, it's difficult to categorize. And I mean that as a compliment because I feel that Mallrat is it's pop, it's kind of singer-songwritery, it's elements of hip-hop, but it seems to blend them all beautifully to a point where, yeah, if, if I felt that if I had to put it in one genre, I simply couldn't do it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I listen to so much, such varied music, and I'm inspired by and passionate about such varied stuff. So it would feel like dishonest or I would feel bored if I didn't let myself explore all those different styles. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I am. Um, I believe if I've done my research correctly, one of the original inspirations to get into music, I know we were speaking about the vinyls behind me before. Um, I'm not sure if you can see the death cab one. I know that the OC, I believe had a bit of inspiration yeah, in terms of you starting music. Yeah, definitely. They didn't, it didn't necessarily inspire me to make music, but it start, it was a key factor in the beginning of my love of music. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the OC soundtrack is very formative for me, um, especially something that I've referenced a bit and talked about a bit is Hide and Seek by Imogen Heat. Um and just how I felt when I first heard that song and how overwhelmed I was by it. Um, and I would just listen to it over and over again and try and understand how she did that with her voice. And um, I didn't realise that 
you could use technology to help you make a song. Cause I was, I was probably like eight when I became obsessed with that song. And I didn't understand that when you recorded a song, it wasn't just everyone standing in a room playing it at the same time. I didn't know that there were layers to it and you could do it over separate times. And there was technology you could use to change the way everything sounded I hadn't wrapped my head around that yet so when I heard all her harmonies I was like I was like to my mom is is that Imogen Heap singing at the same time and mom went yeah and I was like in my head I thought she was singing all the notes at the same time like she had split her voice I was like wow she's really talented to be able to split her voice into a chord and then I would just sit in my room go ah 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 and try and do them both (laughs) at the same time like (laughs) But yeah, I was very obsessed and I still love that song. That song is still incredible and still, I don't know about you, but always um, invokes like the image of Caleb's funeral or um, what is the other scene that it's in? Whatever it's in, in the OC, still very visceral in terms of music and imagery. Mm, definitely. The um, the other, I think, inspiration that maybe... Um, maybe helped guide your way into music or at least was uh, one of the first albums that you bought yourself with your own money was Azalea Banks, who makes an appearance on this record, which um, is a little bit of a full circle moment for yourself. How did that kind of come about? And what was that like, I guess, having that as your first CD bought and then seeing her or working with her um, in the studio? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It was incredible. Um, when coincidences or serendipitous full circle moments like that happen, I always take it as a sign from the angels and the universe that like I'm on the right path. Um, and I just find, yeah, moments like that are very affirming and special, but, um, yeah. So basically happened through Instagram DMS cause she did a live stream like a, a year or two ago where she was playing my music and saying that she really liked it. And, um, when someone sent that to me, I flipped out and I was so excited because <laughs> I'm a biggest fan and I just would never have even like thought to hope that she liked my music. Like I didn't realize that that was something I could want. And then I was like, Oh my God, she likes my music. That is so cool because like she's one of my favorite artists ever. Um, so yeah, it just flowed really naturally. Nice. <laughs> uh, when it comes to, features like that 
I guess if you're happy to pull behind the curtain again per se, um, how much involvement as you as the feat, sorry, her as the feature artist, she was the main artist, how much kind of say or input do you have into her voice or what she's doing? Because I feel that um, I know that uh, Pitchfork has given both of you, yourself and Azalea, quite a bit of press in the last week. The, the verse that she spits is quite iconic. I'm not even going to try and do an impression of her because I would not do any, <laughs> anywhere near justice, but I think one of the, I've even written it down, one of the best lines is the, um, and I, I'm sorry, it's very early in the morning, so I apologise to you <laughs> and the other pers- people on this call. Uh, squirt, it on, uh, squirt it on him like a squid, now he inky face. Yeah, that's my favourite line. Iconic, yeah. Yeah, so good. And I also love marine biology and animal biology. So, like, I was very surprised when she sent back the verse and there was a squid reference in there. I was like, (laughs) I love deep sea creatures. Like, (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. Such an iconic verse. Yeah. Do you get any input into what is said or do you just kind of let her do free reign and then when you get it back, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, basically. Because I don't work with other vocalists very often at all. In fact, I only have once before for my own music Um, because I like to be able to, I don't want to invite someone onto my song if I don't trust their vision Mm -hmm. and if I completely trust their taste and their vision and the way they think about music, then I'm inviting them on because they bring something to the table that I can't offer. And I don't want to try and like micromanage it and tell them what to do. Um, And yeah, that's what happened with Azealia. I was just like, just do your thing. Like here's the space in the song that you have literally do whatever you want. I'm excited to hear. And she did whatever she wanted and it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It has turned out very well. The song is um, incredible, as are many songs on on this album. I think um, my personal favourite was Heart Guitar. Thank you. Which is a beautiful song. And I think um, the, the is it, I, it's a very, I don't know if you would call it the bridge, but the part where it's like, you used to give me butterflies and then it drops and then the percussion comes in. I think that's just a beautiful kind of moment within the song. Um, I was wondering if you could like tell us just a little bit more about this song and where it kind of uh, the inspiration came from. Yeah, this is one of the songs that I did most of the production myself. There was some additional production by my friend Japanese Wallpaper, but mostly it was something that I made at home in lockdown, but that's a boring detail. No one cares. (laughs) (laughs) But I made it at my house and it's called Heart Guitar because I wasn't sure what to call it, but the guitar sounds, the really aggressive, like abrasive, distorted thing um, is recorded on this like little novelty guitar I have. It's like a kid's one. It's quite small and the body of the guitar is a little pink love heart. Awesome. (laughs) So I just, it's so crazy because it sounds with all the um, effects and everything that I added on my Ableton session, it sounds like this big metal thing, but yeah, it's just that little guitar plugged into my interface straight into my computer. So I was pretty proud of that. And I love the lyrics on it and everything. So, yeah, it's a special one. It is it is a very beautiful song. Um, uh, talking about your songwriting, I know that I think in the lead up to this album coming out this week, there has obviously been uh, press and media around the release 
Um, and there was an article where Tim from Cub Sport quoted, I think he was quoted as saying his uh, two favourite lyricists are Leonard Cohen and yourself, which is a um, beautiful, like an incredible kind of quote, which I would agree with, not to piggyback off Tim, um, but uh, that there is a certain quality to your songwriting in terms of the, this, like I guess the intricate details of songs or the the way that it is maybe somewhat conversational more than uh, repetitive um, for you and your lyric writing, I guess, what is your process in sitting down and trying to convey these emotions without, without, you know, writing a hook or being too like um, poppy or whatever it may be? Mm. Well, first of all, like that, thing that Tim said is one of the biggest compliments ever. Um, Leonard Cohen is my favourite poet and one of my favourite lyricists ever too. So, yeah, that was a really generous and kind comparison from Tim. Um, And my lyric writing process is a little bit different every time because sometimes things start as poems that I've written in my phone. Other times... It's more responding to the music and the instrumental. Um, Yeah, and so sometimes it's quite thought out beforehand and other times it's a bit more of a fluid process and I'm refining in the studio as I'm writing it and recording it. Um, And... I don't really have to think about it too much, luckily. Like, that's not to say that I don't put thought into it, but it's it's that I know what I like and it just comes out or it doesn't. And if I don't like it, I just fucking throw it in the bin and keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, like, real procedure to it at all. <laughs> the fact that it can come so naturally... Um, I think is, is an incredible kind of talent. And um, obviously it is, as you said, if it's not good, you just throw it in the bin. So also the um, decisiveness of your songwriting seems to be uh, very well switched on. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the last year or so, uh, I guess, again, in lead up to this record, but just in general, the press with yourself, I know that you've got fans and people like Maggie Rogers, who we discussed, um, Mark Ronson, the New York Times seem to be very... Um, very fond of you as well with, I guess, all that kind of um, praise or adulation, whatever it may be, um, for you, how do you maintain staying, I guess, level-headed and and focusing on the music and still, because this album still is very much a more rad album. I I don't feel like it's, she's gone to LA and it's like a big pop banger, Max Martin kind of, uh, Chromatica style album or whatever you want to refer it as. Um, yeah. How do you, I guess, separate those two or at least not let them affect the art that you're trying to create? Mm. Um, I really like the saying, it's something like you should take every criticism and every compliment with a grain of salt. And um, I kind of think about things that way. So unless what someone's saying feels um, I don't know what I'm trying to say there actually, but it's like I don't really get too 
caught up in what other people are saying, even if it's really, really nice. I appreciate it, but um, doesn't affect the way I write or anything because, I mean, maybe it did at the beginning when I was young, mm-hmm. but now I know myself and my ability really well. So I know what I like and what I don't like. And I have a really good group of friends that are really funny and, yeah, they would never let me like <laughs> turn into a freak. Like the other day I was with my housemate, M, who's one of my oldest friends. Like I've known her since I was about 13. Um, and we had just woken up and we were going to get coffee around the corner. So I had like my bed head and I had my hair in two plaits, but I didn't have any hair ties in. So one of the plaits was like almost completely fallen out and we got to the cafe and, and the barista was like, Oh, great. your hair looks really nice. And M just goes, she's lying to you. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> It was so funny. So yeah, no, that's kind of <laughs> the world that I live in. <laughs> People to keep you grounded, always important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, Grace, very quickly, um, I know that we've got limited time today. Usually we'd ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to. Is there an album at the moment that's kind of taking your fancy? Okay. Well, it's not an album yet, but Ethel Kane is an American artist that's putting her album out around the same time as mine. And I think she's really exciting and cool. Her song Crush is one of my favourites from the last year. So Ethel Kane and I also love Earth Eater and the song Home by Two Shell I've been listening to a lot. And also Howdy, which are like an American band. A few guests that we've had on lately have been recommending Howdy, so we'll definitely have to put them in our socials and, um, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, the song Blindsided is my current favourite. Sick. We'll definitely be checking that out. Um, Grace, Mulrat, thank you very much for your time this morning. Congratulations on Butterfly Blue and thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. It was so nice to talk to you. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Mulrat for her time. Butterfly Blue is out this Friday and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record. We also want to give a huge shout out to Sam at Universal Music Australia for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week. Cheers. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,